All right, Inappropriate Earl, episode 104, 103, burning up the charts. Jamie Flam, the booker of the Hollywood Improv. So if you didn't get a chance to check it, check it. And uh, some past episodes uh, that were hot. My movie review of 52 Pickup was a real barn burner. And uh, today we have one of the most controversial figures at the comedy store. You know, there's a long history that people don't appreciate of the doormen at the comedy store. You know, Mark Marin, probably the number one comic in the world right now, started off as a door guy at the comedy store. Sam Kennison door guy at the comedy store for years banished to the belly room and then you know just persistence and hard work paid off for him i think uh louis ck might have been a door guy at some point uh, jim carrey uh so i mean it's a pretty significant job to be hired as a door guy at the comedy store you might look down when you walk up and go over these losers taking tickets and punching the you know, the n number counter. Uh, but uh, there are going to be some famous comics in the next few years. You're going to remember that guy or girl, cover booth girl. I think that's the only uh, place where girls work uh, at the store and go, wow, I that guy or girl let me in the comedy store one night. Now I'm paying to see them do comedy. And this guy is the real deal. He is uh, abrasive in your face and he's uh highly accepted at the comedy store which is not easy let me tell you something the comedy store is like the crips and the bloods you're either in or you're out and a lot of these ham and eggers come up there trying to palm and press flesh and lie about their credits and they're dismissed this man from day one is the real deal holyfield Put your grubby little wiener-like hands together for the one, the only, Fung Chow. Yeah, yes. talk. Sock it, Skako. So as you can see, he's not from America with that accent. Uh, I know nothing about you. Mm, my name is Fung Chow, you know. Well, I knew that. A mm, uh, little bit about me. Um, I'm, I'm a comic. I work at the comedy store and uh, with a bunch of uh, up-and-coming comedians who work there as a door guy. Um, also, I live in West Hollywood. I have an uh, American car. Like, I like bacon cheeseburgers and pink vaginas. Well, you might get a bacon vagina one day. Um. Yes, I would love to have a bacon vagina, pink ones. Yeah, I bet. I bet you would. Just be careful in this neighborhood. Now, tell us what it means to be a door guy at the comedy store. Like, you came out here from Milwaukee, right? Yes, I did. Um, to be a door guy, um, we work the door. We check people's ID. When people come to the club, we seat them. Uh, some other shifts, um, we have phone shift um, that, like, you know, people call in to ask information and cover booth. Um, that's about it. Just some basic work at the club. And uh, I worked there. I came out here from Milwaukee 
in 2014. Now, are you, were you from Milwaukee? No, I am from uh, Beijing, China. Hiya. <laughs> yes, this is water. So you like, like Yao Ming and like those guys. I, I am like Yao Ming, but I'm, I don't like Yao Ming. Right. He's like, from Shanghai. I'm from China. Shanghai and China is like uh, here will be New York and LA. And when did you come to America? 2009. You're with your family? Yes. And why did they pick Milwaukee? That seems like a strange place for an Asian family to migrate to. Because I was, uh, I was married and uh, my wife was from milwaukee and she and also her family was from milwaukee when we first moved out here we um we stayed with her family so it's like a um easier to you know that's the first place that's what we picked and um yeah milwaukee the the reason that we moved is like we, we used to live in beijing uh we lived there for for oh god I lived there for forever, and um, uh, I met my wife there. We got married, and uh, she lived there for like about seven seven years. And uh, we have a kid, and then we decided to move to the states. And then Milwaukee is the first city. Now, uh, is your fam- is your kids in Milwaukee? Yeah, kid, one, just one, son, boy. Uh, He's in Milwaukee with, oh, I got a divorce and. uh, Why did you get a divorce? Because of your career? uh, (laughs) I wish it, (laughs) no. uh, I I fucked up. I fucked up in my marriage, so I got a divorce. But how did you fuck up in your marriage? Because people, you know, here's the deal with this podcast. I don't have one question planned. I don't know in five minutes. That's fine. But I don't know in five minutes what we're going to be talking about. Of course. I like this podcast to be like two guys or a guy and a girl at a bar talking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, people want to get to know the comics they're going to go see. Like, what happened in your marriage where you're like, I can't do this anymore? There are a lot of factors that... um, in my marriage, now I look back. Um, first of all, when I first got married, I didn't, I didn't even know who I was yet, and I didn't realize that marriage is a lot of work. So I kind of just like we we've been we've been dating. We dated for four four years, four or five years. And then she told me that um, just one day she told me that it's either we get married or I'm leaving you. I'm leaving China. I don't I don't want to be here anymore. You're the the only reason that I'm here in Beijing. Um, so so I was like, sure, why not? I got married. And then. Um, yeah, I just I didn't. I didn't want to give up the lifestyle, I want to say, that I had. Like when when I was dating my wife at that time and then when I was single too, like I didn't want to, what's, how do you say it? I just can't, 
I just want to, I just want to be single. But for some reason, I said, sure, let's get married. The, the mentality was kind of, right, like different. Is that how an Asian family is uh, raised to get married early and have just have a nice life with a wife and a kid or two? Yes, I think so. In, in Asian countries, it's pretty common. But now, nowadays, it's a little different because I don't know about other Asian countries, but for China... Um, a lot of the people that I grew up with, uh, I'm 32 this year. Uh, the people that the kids were born in the 80s or uh, 70s, no, 80s and 90s. All these kids, all this, uh, this two generations are getting like really, really, really selfish in a way that they don't want to get married. They don't want to get, um, they don't want to have kids. The reason that they don't want to get married is there, uh, there's a lot of pressure because for the guys, uh, for, uh, for the guy, my buddy just got married, uh, remarried, his second marriage. He just to able to marry that girl, he gave that girl's family about, I want to say $20,000 worth of Chinese money Which just to marry her. So twenty thousand dollars Chinese money. What is that about? Eight bucks in America? No, I'm I'm saying twenty thousand USA oh, dollars. Oh, I guess. Yeah, that's like, uh, well, I think a lot, the a lot of fried rice, uh, and also a lot of egg rolls, a lot of Panda Express number four. Hello. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just uh, um, talk about marriage too. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, when um. That friend of mine actually visited me here, and I was gonna, I was, I was really busy with my work at the time, and I was like, "Hey, you guys are here. Let me take you out uh, to Malibu or like um, Griffith Park and all these nice places that you can enjoy yourself." Right? They don't want to do none of that, and all like, I think he's pussy whipped, and he's like, "Oh, I, I want to." Please, my wife, we just got married. I want to make her happy. And guess what makes her happy? All she wanted to do is go to that uh, Rodale Drive. Right, Beverly Hills. Yes. And uh, what, what is really ridiculous is uh, they went there. Um, she made him bought a ring for her from Tiffany's. And it's co it cost about like I want to say a little less than thirty thousand U.S. dollars. And he, she was showing off to me. She's like, "Oh, look at my, my ring!" And um, he promised me that he's gonna get me one. And he promised me the honeymoon is gonna be in Los Angeles, and we're gonna go to this place and buy the ring. And to me, it's really ridiculous. And I, I really turned to my friend. I said, do you even know how many Chinese girls you can buy with 30,000 US dollars? And then after I said that, the girl just, her face was precious. But I didn't care. Which is why people love you at the comedy store, because... You uh, are, uh, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but uh, 
you know, you you ballsy. Like you tell uh, when Mark Marin pulled into the parking lot one day, and you you're working the back door. <laughs> You've never met Mark Marin before in your life. No, I think that's the f- yeah. That was the first time I saw him. Yeah, I think so. In real life, no. And he walks by you, and what do you say to him? I uh, I said it's really nice to meet you, Marky Mark. And now I don't know Mark Marin well. I can imagine that him being called uh, Marky Mark did not sit well with him. He he walked past me. And he went to, uh, he was trying to, he was going to the OR and halfway through he's like, well, you really didn't have to call me that. In Mark Maron's voice. Right. And uh, I was like, um, sorry, I kind of just did. Marky Mark. I, uh, I mean, I would have said, Mr. Marin, what's up? Maybe Mark. I don't think I'd call him the Mark Wahlberg uh, rapper character. Okay. Well, I think. Uh, were you trying to be funny to him, or were you just that's just how you are? First of all, here's like uh, the story. I I um I know Mark Maron is really popular now. He's like you know he's the guy. He's the guy, of course. And I I watched some of the the TV series that he did, the Mar- Marion Show. And uh, I think in one of the scenes, his girlfriend in there called him. Marky Mark or who who else somebody called him Marky Mark. We're like, oh, I think I guess I was trying to be funny and then I called him that. And, and then have you had a lot of interaction with him after that? Mm, yeah, when he comes in, I just I try to I try to say hi, make eye contact, say, hey Mark, how's it going? And he's always, you know, Mr. Marin, like I think he's grumpy sometimes. But now, how long have you worked at the comedy store? Uh, July, um, July. Seven months. Seven. And what's your favorite part of working there? My favorite part uh, working there is, I feel like I, every part is my favorite. Just, I, lo- I love being there. Like, mm, when I'm not going up, uh, on the stage, I work there. I get to see just so so many things going on. Um, it depends on how you look at it, and it. I think I I, I guess for comedians, we lo- I look at things in a different perspective. The the darker the stuff is, or the the ridiculousness, because it's everything is happening there, especially nowadays. I um I love working there. Um. My favorite uh, position is seating the OR. Um, Why is that? Because I feel like I get to seat everybody there, and I get to talk to all the headliners come in, and just to be able to talk to them, you know, you get to learn a little bit from from everybody, from all the headliners, and right. also. I love that original room stage. I think it's, I think it's the hardest room ever, or in the world. I think it's no joke. Yeah, no joke. Because when I see you go up, like late, late night, like I always make sure um, I want to watch because those late night spots are. I think that's that's the where the treasure is, or that where the jam is. Yeah, it's. 
It's not easy. I mean, you're often playing to a crowd that's been there for, you know, two, three, four hours already. So they're, they've been asked everything. They've heard every joke on Caitlyn Jenner and Bill Cosby or, you know, the elections. And, and anyone new coming in has probably gotten shit-faced somewhere else. So you got to deal with the drunks and the cocaine freakers. And uh, it's not, uh, you got to be a pretty strong comic to deal with it. Right. That's what I was like. I respect, I respect you so much for that because I feel like before I was a door guy there, I always, I try to come to the store, watch the OR, watch the show from like nine o'clock to till the end. And call me a comedy nerd or whatever. Like I, I like to sit there and, to watch everything going on with like the detail stuff. And I remember when I talked to you before I was a door guy, you said that, uh, Oh, even there's one person in the crowd. I don't care who that is. If as long as the person or, you know, speak English or not, I just, don't care if they speak English. Right. I just need one non comic in the room to like, you know, I mean, sure. I want it to be packed and whatnot. And, you know, Adam gives me some main room spots here and there that, you know, I love. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I just like getting up. Yeah, I, I remember a couple of times that you got uh, the main room spots and I was uh, doing the marquee and I was carrying the ladder out. I saw you. I was like, yes, Kago. It's the real deal in the but, main room. Yeah. Saturday night or Friday night, it's packed. And, and it's a different style because in the OR, when it's one person in there or maybe five people and then the comics in the back heckling you, you know, uh, good naturedly, of course, uh, you have to, you know, handle it differently. I guess it, it is a different game. I only I've I only got on the main room stage twice. The first time is I opened I did the code open for um, Laugh Mob. Ooh. That's the that's the, the Tuesday night. Uh, let's just say ethnic show. <laughs> yes, and I opened it. I did. I did. I did pretty good. It's you know like cold open. There's like about I want to say twelve, fifteen people sitting scattered ar uh, around the main room. It's it's a big room, and then you just, it's just a different game. And the second time, I just uh, I got uh, I got a development spot on uh, Crazy Cindy. It was uh, a bringer show. Bringer show, and uh, I was number three. I went up, killed. And what did killed. she say in her man voice? She did not say shit to me, but I went up to her. I still said, "Hey, thank you for the spot." Even though you know I got the spot like from the the store, right? But I just. I, I, anyways, I went up to her. I said, "Hey, thank you so much for the spot." And she kind of like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." And I, I left. I went back to my uh, post. I, I was working that day. I really like when she goes up uh, after Bill Burr uh, drops in on her show, and she does twenty minutes and and sucks the energy out of the room like a <laughs> vacuum. It's about her. Yeah, I mean. Well, I get, I get, I, I get to. I didn't know that she does shows. At the store, bring her show at the store because I met her at Oyster House when I was doing open mic. Right in uh, the Oyster House Wednesday night room in the uh, sh uh, Studio City. Yeah, 
area. I used to go there and bomb a lot. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there'd be like there's a back room in the Oyster Bar. It's like the outdoor patio where like big name comics go to drink and like hang out. Mm. So, uh, you know, you walk back there and you see like Billy Gardell eating dinner and like I'm like, God, I hope he doesn't go in this room and watch me bomb in front of two people. <laughs> but then I did an AIDS joke in front of him and he liked it. So, Oh, it turned out okay. I mean, you know, for the Oyster House, you know, when you're 12 years into L.A. comedy and you're playing something called the Oyster House, it's <laughs> probably uh, made some mistakes along the way. Yeah, but, well, yeah. But that's how you, uh, you know, it's... You can't, uh, not everyone can go up at the Comedy Store Laugh Factory and Improv, especially the store right now. I mean, you were there last night, legendary night last night, uh, Chris Rock in town uh, doing his Oscar material, Louis C.K., Dave Chappelle, and someone told me Dane Cook. Uh, Dane Cook was there. What room did he play? Um, he was in the OR because he was on... Uh, Brian's show. Brian's show got uh, switched to the OR, the first show, the, right. the, the early show. And also later on, when the when Louis' show was over and uh, Vince Vaughn was there, Chappelle, Chappelle went up in the OR. And um, who else? Courtney Love. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, Kurt Cobain's uh, wife, ex-wife, I guess. Okay. I guess they're not married since... Uh, Kurt Cobain is worm worm bait right now. Okay. And uh an another guy that John Favreau. Right, right. So it was a uh for you fans of the movie Swingers, it was a uh, Swingers reunion. Uh Swingers one of the great uh indie uh, I wouldn't say it's a cult movie because it was a pretty big movie, but it basically showed the life of uh LA actors and the trials and tribulations that they go through. And, uh, of course the comedy store's own Ahmed Ahmed was in a, <laughs> the party scene at swingers where he goes up to John Favreau and goes, Hey, what's up, man? We got to get together. No problem. All right. I got to get out of here. And then he leaves and John Favreau says to his buddy, I don't know who that was. It was a real Palmer move, <laughs> you know, but that's, uh, you know, I've always wanted to do a, a stand-up comedy version of Swingers. <laughs> you know, just show all the, the grease balls and dirt bags, you know, who treat you like shit. But then when you're hosting Potluck, they're up your ass. You know? Oh, can I go up? Of course. Yeah, oh, uh, Adam said I could go up. Adam told me to talk to you. Well, I know Adam. And he, <laughs> he certainly didn't tell you to call him. <laughs> No, yeah, we were talking about like it's really like there's just no spots. It's really hard, hard to get up. I mean, like just no. I I listened to the new the the podcast Adam was on. Uh, the, the gatekeeper gay, with the, the gatekeeper. Gatekeeper is a hot new podcast with the last guest of Inappropriate Earl, Jamie Flam. You can uh, listen to it on iTunes. I love the idea of it because Jamie is the talent coordinator, of the improv. And he's going to interview people in the business who are gatekeepers. And like, you know, Adam is the gatekeeper at the comedy store. I think uh, his second podcast guest was, I think, someone who booked Conan. And, you know, I'm sure he'll have people like people Tonight who show uh, and all booked, um, 
you know, the Montreal Comedy Festival and, and Jess for Laughs. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's a tough business from that end of the world, too. You know, like you and I are performers. Yes. You, you know, we struggle to get stage time and whatnot. It, it's a different kind of struggle when the people in charge of handing out the stage time have to deal with you, me, you know, I'm sure Dane Cook, you know, and whoever else saying, hey, I want to go up. Well, you know, there's 15 spots a night. There's literally probably at the comedy store anyway, a hundred comics who are deserving of those 15 spots, another hundred who think they're deserving of the spots and another hundred who have no, uh, you know, no claim to that stage. So that's literally 300 comics every night buying for 15 spots. Mm -hmm. I, when earlier you were talking about being a door guy at the store too, like I, from day one, I feel like I understand the position of, you know, Adam and Jamie. I, I was always hanging out at the store, like after I do open mics and I'll go to the store. Adam just seems like just you look at Adam like he just seems like he doesn't he does not want to be bothered. You know, he's like he's busy all the time. Just don't don't go up to him and say, hey, can I get a spot? Like, don't. Don't do that. But a lot of, I see a lot of people go up to Adam. Like before he walk out of the kitchen door, there are people like, hey, Adam, my name is so-and-so. And I've been doing comedy for whatever, five plus years on all this kind of stuff. And um, a story about me is before I got a job at the comedy store too, um, I really, really wanted to ask Adam to, to say, hey, I would love to be a door guy here. If there's any position available, can you let me know? But I, I was really close to ask him twice, but I, I didn't. Like, I just didn't want to. I don't know. Maybe I was just being, uh, I don't know. Maybe I was feeling a little, little insecure about my uh, comedy. Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a catch-22 situation, you know. You want to, like, ask Adam for a job or a spot, but you don't want to bug him because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. But if you ask too much, you don't, you know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a tough uh, dance that you have to play, and it's tough from him, too, you know. It, it's like uh, there's not enough spots right now as is. So, I mean, I can only imagine, like, just to show you how tough being a talent coordinator is, that you were there last night. I, I was not. I was bombing. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, doing the... Uh, I'm a big fan of the show Vanderpump Rules. It's a great reality show. It's, you know, it just... I, I don't know why I like it. It's just, just a great show. And my friends uh, Jacqueline and Annabelle were putting on a sketch and stand-up show i was supposed to headline mm -hmm. so i get there early to support and i wanted to meet the cast of vanderpump rules it's a couple people didn't show up they're like dude you got to warm up the crowd i'm like well i'm supposed <laughs> to headline they're like, uh, well you got to warm up the crowd now and so i went up there for 10 minutes and bombed i mean just dead silence 
And then I'm like, okay, that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to go on. I'm not going to headline the show. And then the main girl whose birthday it was, Kristen Dode, beautiful. Uh, she plays the bitch on the show, but she's really nice. She's like, well, I want you to go on again because I didn't see you uh, go on. I'm like, oh, no, I went on first. It's all good. I don't have to go up again. Mm -hmm. She's like, I want you to go on. So I did <laughs> one again and to the same crowd. So welcome to Hollywood, baby. Was she single? Oh, no. I mean, she, she meant like I didn't get to see her set. And everyone tells me how funny you are. So I want to see you go on. I'm like, I, I, it's really not good to go up in front of the same crowd twice within an hour. And, right. Uh, but it all worked out. And uh, so. No, the reason that I ask the question, because I feel like you at the store, you're like, what, what, what do you call it? Pussy magnet. I mean, uh, not really. I mean, well, uh, I, I uh, you, you know, I, I think there's there's different kinds of pussy magnets up there. There's the <laughs> ones who brag about it. Uh, I don't. You know, it's like, uh, you know, the people with the most money never brag. You know, Russell Peters, you know, the richest comic in the world, you know, and I've never heard him once talk about how much money he has. But yet you see some of these ham and eggers up at the store, <laughs> you know, who, you know, maybe just made 300 bucks headlining some shitty Indian casino and, in, in, you know, Mill Valley. And they're like, I'm the man. And I say, like, you're not the man. Right. I, I mean, like speaking of like bragging, like I feel like um, when comics like oh, people doing open mics or comics come up, when we talk to each other, he or she says, oh, I just started comedy uh four or five months ago i have like about like 20 minutes material like to me it's like no shut up you don't you you have no material you just yeah i mean uh you know i mean everyone progresses at a different rate but uh most comics who think that, you know they put up a half hour set on youtube and they literally don't have five minutes like it's like Put up a five-minute set on YouTube, not half hour. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're doing crowd work two minutes into your act, you don't have 20 minutes of material. Right, I guess just people live, like, as comics, just different. We live on a different standard as your uh, well, good ones craft. Too. Right, of course. But of it's like, the you know, sort of women, uh, people who get a lot of pussy, as you would say, uh, you know, the ones who really do get it, Never talk about it. They know. Right. Because for me, it's, uh, I just, uh, I'm going down to La Jolla in April. I think I'm doing 15. And who are you going down with? Uh, I think w I'm going with uh, Spicer, Christian Spicer, and uh, Dean Del Rey. And when I heard that, like to me, like I, 15 minutes, like I, I would, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, 15. Like I kind of, I'm little, worried about it because i don't know if i have like a 15 minute solid material because if i do i feel like you know like what you guys do in the or that's 15 minutes that's solid that's great well most people don't do 15 you know 16 17 18 minutes and that adds up like when right. everyone runs the light right uh speaking of running the light i have this crazy theory not crazy theory. I just, I don't like, I hate running the light. Like, it's so rude. Yeah, to everybody. 
Am Especially I- if people in the early in the lineup do it. Because comics are like little kids. They're like, well, if Earl ran the light, I want to run the light. And then the guy after them. Well, if Earl and you know Melissa ran the light, then I want to run the light. And so if you... It really sucks for the people who go on late toward the end of the lineup. Like when I have a 1 a.m. spot, you know, I figure I'm going to go up earliest 1.30 because everyone runs a light. Mm-hmm. Now, last night, you had these <laughs> crazy, you know, lineups where you uh, had, you know, Chappelle drop in and Chris Rock drop in and uh, Louis C.K. So the people who went on or who were scheduled to go on at 1.00, they probably they were fucked. They probably if they got to go on went on after two. But you gotta you know suck it up if you're gonna get bumped. Uh, you know Chris Rock is a good guy to be bumped. I mean, like it also depends like how you look at it. I mean, if if I'm hosting the Oscar for 89th, you know, like I'm coming in, I'll bump you. You know what I'm saying though? Like just. Do your do get some bigger thing. Do some bigger things. Get some credits, and then yeah, then bitch about getting right. bumped. That's my attitude. I mean, sure, you know, I remember one night last week. I think I was supposed to go on, and Chris Rock came in, and you know, I didn't get to go on because you know he did like a half hour, and it's like, well, you know, he's Chris Rock. I of course, I'm you know bummed out I didn't get to go up, but you know what? Instead of complaining about it. Uh, get better credits than Chris Rock, and then I can bump him. Yeah, didn't you say, I think I heard the story, you didn't get to go up, and then you were like, you know what, I'll just go to the patio and talk to the the, the girls. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll just talk to the chicks and, uh, <laughs> you know, get it together. <laughs> By the way, we are live right now on Periscope. Oh, hi. Uh, say hello, Periscope, to Feng Chao. Give us some hearts, okay? Yeah, give us some hearts. Maybe send out a tweet that we're live so we get some numbers. This is might be outside of the Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, Periscope podcast, the second ever uh, simulcast of Inappropriate Earl. This episode will be out tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> Yes, I feel so special now, Skako. Thanks. You, you should, dude. Not everyone gets asked to be on Inappropriate Earl. It's just people with a car who live within five miles. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I, yeah, I fit in that category. Yeah, yeah, you have a job, you have a car, and you're you have a working GPS system that can get you to the middle of West Hollywood, <laughs> where the surf meets the turf in this neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's the Oscars in West Hollywood. You have to understand, and I think most of you who listen to this podcast know where I live. I'm right in the heart of Gay Boyville, and uh, let me. T- I mean, I'm I'm in the heart of it. There's two gay bars at the end of my street. They both have n- dudes in speedos right now, painted in gold, trying to get customers in to watch the Oscars. And then after the Oscars, some guy named Oscar is going to get fucked <laughs> in the ass. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is uh, you know the smell of anal is in the air. Yeah, uh, when I first walk into your uh, place, that uh, pool party is pretty gay. Yeah, there's a pool. There's an Oscar pool party right now in my house that, you know, probably looks like the last 10 minutes of Philadelphia. It's uh, a lot of my neighbors won't be here in a year. So, you know, they got to enjoy the pool while they can. 
I've been in that pool once in 17 years. So, <laughs> But let's get back to comedy. You and your comedy. My comedy. So right. did you start comedy in Milwaukee? I did. I did start uh, comedy. Uh, like open mics? Yeah. Um, when... Why are you? Yeah, I did. I did start uh, stand up in Milwaukee because the reason, a bunch of reasons. Um, I used to first of all, I used to work at Target in Milwaukee, like Target, and I work third shift, which is graveyard. Yes, it's from like um, ten p.m. to like the next morning, seven or eight. The people who work at Target third shift are a bunch of fucking animals, like filthy, filthy animals. Well, I can imagine it's people who are like just need a job. They don't want to like work in the corporate world. They just want to work at a Target at twelve, you know, twelve to six a.m. Right. I mean, the third shift is a different game. Like you see all this people, like crazy people, like just. But anyways, my point is I, I get to work with them for, for such a long time, three years. And uh, uh, during the lunch break, it, it's a 30-minute break. Like at the lunch table, I always like trash some of the – like, you know, like I, I'm on the table with the big boys. You can talk, talk shit to each other, make people laugh. And then they're like, oh – like people want to join the lunch table, but they they some of them they can't because you know they're 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 pussies, and all those people think that I'm funny, and they're like, oh, you're pretty funny, and that's one of the reason. And then, um, one of my buddy Greg, I used to work with, he he asked me to watch the roast of Flavor Flav. I watched that. And I was thinking, oh, all these people can be mean on TV or whatever and make money. And I'm mean. I can be funny. And then that's another reason. I mean, also the biggest reason is um, after I got separated from my wife, I, I was um, like I knew we, we weren't getting back together and everything. How did just, you know that? She, cause she told me. Oh, well, that's a good sign. Yeah, she told me, and uh, everything hurts, and I just, I didn't, I didn't want to live. I, I was, I thought about to kill myself. Uh, really? I did, I did, but uh, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm such a big, like I'm too big of a pussy to kill myself, and also I have a kid. I can't, you know, I can't just find that easy way, way out. Um, and I was. I was drinking heavily for five, six months. And then I, I started doing comedy. That's the only thing, like, to numb the pain. Like, not, like, make me happy at that time. Of course, it's my son. And also to do comedy, to make people laugh. To be able to make other people laugh, I feel like that's a gift. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, we all have 24 hours. Most of us have shitty job that you hate during the day and at the end of the night if you can come to open mic or a show you're Milwaukee I can make you laugh I feel like great like right that it makes me great feel great and then that's how I started it and then I uh, the Milwaukee scene is really good it's up and coming it's getting better and better for the size of the city 
um, when I started, it was, I want to say two, two or three open mics every night, maybe two. And um, I started in 2013, and it was a good year for Milwaukee comedy. The open mic scene is good, and um, <laughs> there's there's a comedy club in Milwaukee. Say goodbye to Periscope. We're logging off. All right, bye Periscope. Thank you guys for the hearts. Yeah, uh, just make sure to uh, favorite and retweet it when it comes out tomorrow in the morning. Inappropriate Earl, iTunes and SoundCloud. Suck it. <laughs> Suck it. I mean, I'm just trying to get the numbers, man. <laughs> I mean, these people, you know, I'm not getting paid uh, for this. So, you know, uh, it's the real deal. But I do it to interview my friends. So, <laughs> you know, people I think need to be exposed in the world of... Oh, uh, thanks, Earl. I'm having a good time. I'm, I'm having a great time. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's... Uh, you should be more known... Uh, in the comedy world, I mean, you like I said, you are one of the uh, most well-liked people up at the store of the newer breed. Yes. And, uh, you know, you've made quite an impression uh, on yourself. Didn't you recently do David Taylor's podcast? I did. I did. I did do uh, DT's podcast. I was... Um he wanted, he wanted me to do his podcast, like when I first got hired on as a door guy, and I listened, I listened to uh, a couple episodes. Uh, the one Adam was on, Stephen Randolph was on. I listened to Tebow's too. Um, I knew how, because I've seen David go up in the OR so many times. I know how he was when he was doing stand up, and then I listened to the podcast and. He's so he's so Hitler about it. I want to say. With what do you mean by that? Like he's so he's so in your face, dick. Every single dirt or dirty laundry that you have, he he he, he he's good at it to get them out of it, out of you. And um, I told him like, when I'm good and ready, I will let you know. I said thank you for having me. Like to even consider me on your podcast. Um, and uh, I guess like six or seven months in working at the comedy store, I feel like I'm a stronger person too. Like not only doing stand-up, like in real life, I'm I'm better and stronger. And I'm, I can face the judgment or the embarrassment that I had in my life before, in, in my past. So, and uh, Nick had me open for his uh, new material show, Hollywood Nick, Cool Nick. Nick who? Yusuf. Okay. Um, I opened, I opened the, 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 the show five minutes. I did pretty good. It was, at that time, seven people in the crowd. Um, David Taylor was on that show. He went on later on, and then Chris Hartwick, he followed me. The host from At Midnight? Yes, and also uh, he does that Talking Dead, right? Yeah, and he followed me because uh, he had to go somewhere. After I do my set, I went back to the back door, and he came up to me. He said, hey, good job. You were really funny. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um but anyways, I did that, and David Taylor's 
heard some of my jokes, some of my newer jokes about uh, uh, when my wife was giving birth, the newer jokes. And he was like, dude, you got to come on my podcast. Don't be a pussy. And uh, I was like, all right. So I was on there. Well, you're a great uh, guest to have on a podcast because you keep it real. <laughs> like this is a post. There is a show tonight at the Comedy Store hosted by the great Kyle Ray. It's a storytelling show where you get six minutes to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And this is how Fung promotes <laughs> shows. <laughs> and this is a direct quote. Come and tell a story for six minutes, you attention-starving whores. Kyle Ray is a real cool comedian who is doing this huge, great favor for all of us. Don't do your shitty crowd work. Don't ask how everyone is doing. Don't be a pussy. Go grab the mic when your turn comes. Be real and be you. Trust me, Hollywood has enough Fugazi palming bastards. Don't be one of them. I'm on the show. My, sto my story starts with after I was separated with my wife because I fucked up big time. No way we get back together. I was in so much pain every day and I was drunk for six straight months. The only medicine to numb my pain is making people laugh. I started doing stand-up. That's not your everyday uh, run-of-the-mill show promotion flyer. I, I don't... I. Kyle is so cool. I love I, I love Kyle. The first time, um, the first time I saw Kyle going up uh do stand up, he uh he it was him and Jesus at that uh charity's house. Uh, have you been there before? Did you I don't up? think I have been. Okay. And uh Kyle Ray, it, it was a it was it was a chaos there. I think he was trying to get everybody's attention. He he <sighs> He took his pants off and he sat on the stool to, um, you know, so nobody see his pee-pee. <laughs> pee-pee. And then there was so fucking funny. There was this black dude. Uh-oh. I'm a lot. The black, black dude. Guy. He's a black guy. Yeah. You say black guy. Yeah, he's black. The N-word has been said two times <laughs> in 103 episodes of this podcast. <laughs> Not by me, by guests. And both of them said, hey, you're going to edit that out, right? I'm like, nope. <laughs> well, I'm behaving. I'm a good boy. No, but the point is he pulled his pants off and the black guy was sitting right next to him. Got really awkward. And Kyle was able to do his set for like, I want to say five or seven minutes the whole time. After his set, it was he was struggling so hard to put his pants back on without showing his pee-pee. His pee-pee? Yeah. So I, I, I love Kyle. Kyle is cool. Uh, when he hosted um, Pollock, he did a great thing, made uh, me follow Steven Randolph, and I trashed Randolph, and I think I trashed the crowd a little bit, and then they all loved it. And Kyle loved it, and I, was, I had a great time. So that's how I did it. I did promote uh, Kyle's show. I did. Now, Randolph, Stephen Randolph, a, a previous guest on Inappropriate Earl, uh, he's like your, your, he's another door guy who is uh, taking the uh, comedy store by storm. <laughs> That's your, like, your best buddy up there? Uh, Stephen Randolph, yes, he is definitely one of them. 
I I I want I don't want to say he's my best friend forever because if I say that and he's going to feel good about himself. He needs to, you know, you need to knock him down a little bit. Oh, of course. We here and there. We wouldn't want anyone in the world of LA stand up to feel good about themselves. <laughs> um and who are some of your comedy mentors? Like do you like there's not many uh Asian uh comics really i know of steve park who used to be on uh in living color toward the end and i obviously bobby lee steve Byrne. Mm -hmm. uh, do, being uh from china like did you first get exposed to Ch chinese comics or asian comics or were you exposed to like white or black comics before um we do have chinese comedians uh, they do like most of the time they do like two people go up on stage. Like it's it's not one person. Some like most off most of the time it's two people. Um I don't I don't really they are funny. They're just like a goofy funny. And when I first started doing comedy, um I was not here yet. I didn't get to see Bobby and uh Steve Byrne go up. Um which I love Bobby and I think both Bobby and Steve Burns, they're like really good comics. And then off stage, when you talk to, I, I didn't talk to Bobby a lot. I, I, the only conversation I talked to him is I knew he likes uh, play a uh, soccer game, like video game. I talked to him a little bit. Uh, and then I talked to uh, Steve Burns a little bit about like he was just asking me, how do you feel? Like, how are you doing uh, as a door guy here? Like really genuine, like a... Like a good friend, you know, like care, really care, caring. Um, I do, uh, and my mentor, like nobody taught me how to do comedy, but I watched a lot of, I do watch a lot of stand-up comedy uh, or like um, funny movies. I uh, I think mentor. Like, do you have a favorite comic like that? Like, I wouldn't say uh, I try and emulate him, but like for me, it was like Stephen Wright. Uh, you know Robert Schemmel, Norm Macdonald, and uh, although, okay. although he's not a comic, uh, Archie Bunker uh, from All in the Family and Don Rickles. Like, do you have comics that like you gravitate towards to that I look up to? Yeah. Well, I think I can name two names. Two, um, Bill Burr, Anthony Jeselnik. And why do you like both those guys? Um, I think Bill Burr is so, um, he's so angry. Uh, the, uh, I've, every special that he has, I, I watch his special. Um, the, the earlier ones from like the one, two, 2014, 15 and 13, I think those ones, like, he's so angry. He doesn't like by watching Bill, I just see that he's angry and he gives zero fucks. And which is how people kind of look at you. Well, in real life, I mean, I, I really, I don't, in real life, I don't, I'm not really talkative and I, I'm, I don't give a fuck. I don't because I move here, uh, to do comedy and, um, I, I have a seven year old son that I left behind. So. Zero fucks. Uh, 
the other guy for for Jasonek too is I think he's just so brilliant. It's the word. He's so like you've seen Jasonek. Oh, I started with him. Oh, you you did? Okay, I well, didn't. At least you know I I don't know if he started somewhere else and then came here, but I used to do a lot of shows with him. At, you know some really you know bad rooms but mm -hmm. even back then like everyone knew he's like wow this guy's you know pretty good yeah i uh when i lived when i used to i lived in milwaukee i went to the the first uh live comedy show i went to is when bill burr was uh in chicago theater i paid it like i didn't have money at that i would like i still don't have money i paid 80 dollars to sit in the far the first the, like the back of the theater eighty dollars and then the second uh live comedy i saw is when jeselnik was at uh the pbr Pabst blue ribbon theater in milwaukee so i i really i those two are my uh favorite i also i wanted to like jeselnik he will um make jokes about like really dark really dark dark stuff like the boston marathon or you know um the france uh, the bombing france or san bernardino and all this kind of stuff and i think i saw one of his interview he was saying that there like he would there's nothing that he wouldn't make fun of because i feel um it's dark is Mm, it's sad a lot of sad stuff happens every day and it's just because of people like Justin like he make a joke about it and people laugh we still know it's sad we still know it's you know it's not a happy thing but now hey maybe we laugh about it it's you feel better I guess that's how I feel like in your own act do you talk about like your divorce and your suicidal thoughts i i just started uh i'm i started talking about it yes um but um yes i i i uh, i am starting i i'm i wrote two new jokes which i'm gonna tell in the or tomorrow night i'm really happy about it. it's dark it's personal it's about me and also i love one of the joke is uh i had this joke already about my grandma my grandma died. My uh, I have a joke about my grandma um, when when she died. She really died, and uh, she meant so much to me. And I went back to Beijing to to uh, when when she died. Like I didn't even get to see her. She died when I was on the plane, and I was really sad. Uh, I feel like that's my real life. What am I gonna do? I, I make a joke about it, and um. Turned out to be pretty good. People like it. The people have con connection or, you know, there's something in common with me. Maybe their grandma died or maybe they're not, their grandma not Chinese, but, you know, everybody has grandma. Well, uh, I love the real life humor. You know, I don't mm -hmm. like the manufactured humor like, you know, Larry the Cable Guy. Nothing against him, but, you know, get her done and... You know, Jeff Foxworthy's, you might be a redneck, you know, and doing Golden Corral commercials. Mm. You know, I like, you know, comics like you and, you know, 
obviously Bill Burr. It's like he's angry, but that's who he is. Right. I like comics who are themselves. You know, it, it's like, you know, uh, Dane Cook. That that's who he is. Kind of like that cocky. You know, just I mean, the guy's posting Instagram pictures of himself in the nude, holding a football. <laughs> but that's who he is, you know. And uh, you know, Delia is a great comic. He's that's who he is on stage, off stage too. So, you know, Brent Morin, you know, all those guys. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Sebastian. Yeah, I love Sebastian. Delia Morin. They're all really good. But they're I, themselves on stage, right. and that's what I like. You know, even if I don't like the comic, you know, uh, per se, you know, I, I appreciate comics who don't have to manufacture an act. They're just themselves. Mark Marin is an angry, semi-bitter, you know, old older comic, and, and, mm -hmm. and that's why people love him. It's like, you know, he's the real deal. Yeah, speaking of Bill, I have a story. Um I one night I was one Monday I was working uh belly room, right? We get to go up and uh uh Biddlecombe hosted and uh, he came up to me. I knew I knew uh I'm going to go up. I was just going to check in with him every like, you know, 30 minutes. I just pop in the OR to see when I get to go up. And uh Biddlecombe came up to me to the belly room. He goes, "Hey, I I really trust you. I think you're solid. I'm gonna have you follow Bill Burr. He's in the he's gonna go up in the OR in two. And uh, yeah, have fun. And at that time I was like, holy shit. That's the first thought I, I just come up to me. And uh and then I was like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I will do it. I will do a. I will do a great job. And um, I start freaking out. Like I don't even know how to walk or like think anymore. Like I gotta pull myself together in the next ten minutes, right? Because we uh, on Monday we go up. We do like three, four minutes. And uh, I remember I. Um, uh, it just you have a feeling that in your chest or your stomach, like just when you are nervous. And I went downstairs. I got a red ball from Rose. And she kind of, I don't know what she, we're just joking around. I think she called me a faggot or a, a pussy. That'll get a comic settled. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Rose is real. And then I was like, oh, fine. But thank you for the red ball. And then I walk out of the kitchen door. Bill Bear was right there, right? And I saw him and... Um, I shook his hands. I said, hey, Bill, my name is Feng Chao. Hiya. Yeah. <laughs> like little karate chap. Um, I said, my, my name is Feng Chao. I'm going to go up after you uh, to do stand-up. Can you maybe just watch me, my set, like three, four minutes and give me some advice, please? And he goes, um, um, I don't know. I we'll see if, uh, if you start bombing. I got to get out of uh, the room right away. That's exactly what he said. Now, do you think he was kidding? I, here's the deal. I didn't know. And he, he had that like voice that he, he doesn't want to be bothered. And I was like, okay, fair enough. 
And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm just fucking with you. I, I will sit there to watch your set. That's the, the, like, that's the second time I talked to Bill Burr. Like I, he's like a, a hero, like a comedian, like idol for me. And I didn't want to bother. Cause like when I see Bill and all this big name coming into the store, like, I don't know how to talk to them. Like, what do you say to them? I, I don't know. I just leave them alone. I don't, I'm unlo um, unlike some of the palming bastards. Just like, oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These fucking jackals pressing the flesh. Yeah. Trust me, Skako. I sit at the back door all the time. At all the shift. And I, I just watch people, you know? And, uh, but anyways, and I went up. I did, um, I did really good, surprisingly. And uh, I recorded my set. I listened to it. It was, uh, I was nervous. I can, I can feel it. And after my set, I was still like so overwhelmed that like Bill said that he would watch me. And then I saw him in the back hallway. I shook his hand again. I said, thank you so much for watching me. And uh, he said that, uh, yeah, well, you were good. You were solid. Pretty funny. You made me laugh three times. And also that cricket pussy joke was great. And I and also he said, I just wanted to know more about you in stand-up. When you are doing an hour special, you want to talk about, you know, who you are, who you really are on stage. That's it. I said, thank you so much. And I, I got to get back to my uh, post. And I went back to the belly room. That, that's the story. That's a great story, though. I mean, I was uh, co-hosting the Willie Hunter show, and Bill Burr was a guest, and I thought, oh, I know he's a big Ric Flair fan. I know he likes pro wrestling a lot. I think I heard that he leaves tickets for Ric Flair at whatever show he's on, like mm -hmm. on his theater tours. And So, uh, you know, we're doing a live talk show in the main room. It's packed, and... Uh, kind of willy threw it over to me to ask bill a question i'm like hey man uh you think rick flair ever did cocaine when he was doing those promos and he just looks at me and goes why the fuck would you say that i'm like <laughs> oh uh uh because i thought you might think it was funny <laughs> i've never wanted to get off a stage so fast in my life i mean i'm like here i am bombing asking bill burr a question i thought for sure he would love and it was a real uh, bad situation for a few minutes. But then at the end, we, uh, I think I said something he thought was funny. So, but it's, uh, you know, you want to impress Bill Burr. Right. I mean, just in that moment, what do you do and what do you say? You know what I'm saying? Though, like, for, for people like Bill Burr, and they, people go up to them just trying to start a conversation or, like, like, I don't just, I don't know. Like, I don't even know how I, uh, I can handle, handle bombing in front of Bill Burr or ask a, uh, fucking stupid question. And he gave you the look like, uh, why, you know, like, why, what do you think? What were you thinking? Yeah. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Right. It was real awkward, isn't it? uh awkward to say the least if not less <laughs> so um where else do you go up other than the comedy store like do you like just hit the open mics and and stuff like that mm, yeah now uh, i work at the store a lot 
um, you know, I cover for I cover shifts for door guys, which know, makes but, it hard if you work so much. Which is a, it, comedy is a nighttime job, so if you work at night, right, you have to really struggle for stage time. Yes, I I am really struggling, and um, uh, I when I don't have to work, I I don't get booked on a lot of shows much. But I'm not sweating it. I just go to uh, open mics that um, that I I like, because when before I got uh, hired as a door guy, I go out to do open mics, three four mics a night, five six nights out of one week. So I just you know, so I have time. I have free time to go out to do open mic. Just I get the stage time. And what's your like writing process? Like when, how do you sit and come up with new material? Do you go to Starbucks and just write? Do you sit in your living room and just you know? How do you do it? You know what? Like the idea of go, going to Starbucks, like a coffee shop. You get a cup of coffee and some maybe nice pastry and write about things. I I I can't do it. It's hard for a hard. It's hard for me to write to begin with. Um, and if I go to a coffee shop. And write. I feel like a poser cunt about it. I don't do it. Uh, I um, for me is sometimes before I go to bed, I lay in my bed, think about what's funny, what happened today, um, my life in the past, or some funny thoughts, and I will write it down. And also in the morning, in the morning, I um, I go. Go hiking on Ryan Canyon, uh, pretty often. And also, when I first wake up, any funny thoughts or any thoughts, I will write it down. And then, just throughout the day, I, I think about it. What's funny, and just write it down. That's how I. That's how I write. And how do you write? Um, like your writing process. I try and write five jokes a day. Most of them shitty. <laughs> but you know that's I find honest <laughs> for me i get to the good ones through writing the bad ones and it's it's a disciplined uh style i mean it, mm -hmm. there's right there's days i don't feel like writing at all but i force myself to right. sit down and write you know like i'll i'll say a joke that i've uh you know one i wrote today so far it's just uh <laughs> hot off the presses and this is a joke it's probably so bad that you know i would never say on stage but uh you know i wish people would stop saying the oscars are so white i mean if black people want to be in more oscar nomination ceremonies have the wayans brothers stop making films <laughs> you know i mean what are we supposed to do nominate pootie tang <laughs> you know boys in the hood was a great movie straight out of compton great movie you know it should have been nominated frankly i mean i saw it in beverly hills but i still like the movie i mean if you think i was going to see straight out of compton and compton you probably think the earth is flat so uh, <laughs> you know i just try and just yeah uh go on news sites and, and pick out wacky stories like mm -hmm. you know uh, <laughs> wacky stories why well, i, I saw you fun of them yeah, I, but just not because I think I'll joke about them on stage, but it's like joke writing to me is like working out. It, it's mm. like, you know, uh, 
you just have to keep doing it and it's a habit and then uh you know like i saw today there was an italian city that is set to limit ethnic eateries you know mm. uh, because they want to keep it italian you know they mm -hmm. don't want you know american uh restaurants they don't want a subway or a mcdonald's they want authentic italian food uh but I guess that ruins TGI Friday's overseas expansion plans. Uh, <laughs> overseas. You know, I'm assuming um, the Magic Johnson. I think Magic Johnson owns one of those. Uh, but uh, The anyway. basketball player, right? Yeah, yeah, the guy with AIDS. Uh, <laughs> well, he does have hey, AIDS. Yo. He's got the good AIDS because apparently he's completely healthy. He, he didn't get the AIDS that got Rock Hudson, you know. He owns a fried chicken restaurant, does he? I think he owns a Magic Johnson Theater, which uh, I uh, I actually probably would have been the safest place to go see straight out of Compton because you knew everyone had a gun, so no one was going to shoot anyone because you know they have a gun. So uh, you know, but I uh, saw it at the Beverly Hills uh, Theater, and uh, it's cool. And everything's cool. Everything's cool. I mean, oh, earlier we were talking about um, just a, a couple notes. Before you said, um, I work a lot. I don't get to go up for open mics a lot, or I just don't have time for stage time too. I feel like that's a, also a good part. Like the good side of it is now as a door guy, I can go up in the original room on Mondays. So that kind of forced me to do new material on stage on Mondays. That's it's to me it's nerve-wracking. Like I don't like I think we talked about it this before. Like I I don't I I don't know how to handle bombing in the OR because it you know it's it tough. Me. Yeah. You know, it's uh you know, it it's a very tough uh you know, ORs I've seen the biggest names in uh comedy bomb in that room uh you know it's it's mm -hmm. uh i think it's because of the low ceilings and it's all right. black and, right. and the walls are it's i love the room like when you Me kill too. in when you kill in that room it's, it's amazing right because the sound bounces off the walls of course because yes you know like i said the low ceilings kind of keep the laughter compressed oh that's right you know i never thought that way and it's not a huge room i mean i think it seats about 300 but it but uh you know the the i guess the the west and east walls are, are you know pretty close together so it's uh mm -hmm. you know you're in there but right. when you don't do well it, the the silence is it, literally deafening right right like i feel uh it might sound cocky for me to say but i'm just gonna say it like every when i went up i i bombed i want to say all these times that i went up in the or i bombed one time really hard only one time is that uh the first time i got on the or because i did really good on kill tony um i killed it for like the stand-up part and also the uh the interview part, you talk to uh, Tony, Red Band, the episode that I was on, um, Dave Attell was the guest. I did really good, really good. I got off stage, Adam pulled me aside, 
Adam said, hey, I'm the talent coordinator of this place. Uh, are you busy next Monday? Just come. If if not, just come come here. You got a spot in the original room. And I got on there, number one on the open mic, bombed for three minutes. No laugh in front of no customers, a bunch of open micers, bombed. Like, I almost wanted to quit comedy that time, that one time. And, um, um, yeah, bombed one time. But when you do good in the OR, it, it feels amazing. Oh, yeah. It's, it it's, really it really does. Um, and it's the same thing with the main room, too. I mean, you know, the main room is like this huge room. I think it holds about 400 people. Uh, mm -hmm. And, like, you know, you definitely have to adjust your style because when it's packed in there, it's 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 like playing a concert. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's uh, you know, the, that's what I love about the comedy store is that, you know, there's three rooms in there, the original room, the main room, the belly room, and all three you kind of have to adjust your, you, you know, your pacing and, and, and other things in your act. Because, like, the belly room's obviously smaller than the original room, so it's even more compact, mm -hmm. which is what, like, why a show like Roast Battle does so well. Yeah. Because it's, you know, the laughter is just bounces off uh -huh. the walls. Right. The bet that that show is really good. I, I do have a question for you, Skeiko. Sure. Ciao. Um Hey all. Do um I heard when I uh before I even got hired at the comedy store too, like I heard that in the OR, when you go up on stage for uh door guys, if you run the light, I, that's what I heard, right? Like I, I don't know. Like I heard if you run the light, you don't get to go on next week. And also for paid regulars in the OR, if you run the light, you don't get your check. I mean, I think it uh, depends who you are. Uh, like, I I never run the light. I think in the year and a half that I've been passed there, I honestly don't think I've run it once. Uh, you know, and you know when, you, when you're running the light you know yeah of course you if if you're a a real comic you know you're running the light of course you know you know like i had one comic and i won't uh i won't say who they uh were but uh they i was supposed to go on after them and they literally did 25 minutes and uh mm. i think they knew i was pretty pissed and they're and this particular person was like dude i'm really sorry man i didn't mean to uh I just, you know, it, I didn't mean to do 25 minutes. Was like, the person just trying to be a two-faced bitch about it? Like, oh, I just, I know it gets you, it makes you angry, but hey, I'm sorry. Like, I'm really sorry. You know I what mean, I'm saying, though? Like, you know, like, why? You can't not know at 25 minutes you were supposed to get off 10 minutes ago. Yeah, of so, course. Um, like, I know, like... Uh, on other shows like last night when i was brought back up mm -hmm. to do uh because Kristen wanted to see me do my act uh i was about 10 they said do 10 minutes and right around the 10 minute mark i'm like i think i've done 10 minutes i literally got the light you just have an internal clock right uh so you know i i don't I, you know i think uh 
I think that why is in a sense Dane Cook doesn't do the comedy store that much because he's known to be a pretty big light runner. Uh, and I think that's not going to play at the comedy store. You know, I yeah, I, I feel like that's like a respect and also like a discipline thing. Like I, I, every time now when I get off stage uh, in the OR, I always make sure I walk to the cover booth and ask, I, I ask the cover booth girl how much time I did. You know, like I always want to make sure that I don't run the I I know I don't run the light and I'm crazy about it. I know I don't run, but I still I'm OCD about it. I have to talk. I have to see what they wrote on the that piece of paper. So I was like, OK, now I'm good. So I will just go back. Usually I work at the, you know, the back door. I'll go back to my post. Well, I'm usually uh, bringing up Don Barris at the end of the night. And I know uh, that. You know, when you're the second to last comic, you know, you don't want to run the light because Don has to go on last. And, you know, I mean, especially after 1 a.m., you know, it's the crowd could walk at any second. Because right, they, of course. They're tired. Of course. And, uh, you know, like I, we said, you know, a half hour ago, they're, they've seen everything. They've heard every Bill Cosby joke. They've heard every Donald Trump joke or... You know, we get it. Ben Carson's black. We know it. We've heard <laughs> eight, eight comics talk about it. So, uh, you know, I try to... I think every comic should... I try and give Don the most amount of audience so he can mm -hmm. have a good set. And although it, it's certainly not the previous comic's job, I think it should be, if they're a decent human being, to make sure the comic going on after them has something to work with. Of course, of course. You know, like if I'm bringing you up, you know, when you get past, you know, I'm I'm gonna be like, I want Fung to have a, a good crowd, and although it's late, you know, I'm gonna do my time and bring him up. You know? Yeah. Speaking of which, like it's I've seen you so many times when you uh, bring up Down Barris, and then sometimes you bring up one time you brought up uh, Candice, the the intro that you gave. It was so awesome, heartwarming. You know, like you were you saying something about, you know, we got passed at the same time. Our names are right next to each other on the wall, which is cute. I think it's cute coming from the heart. But I meant it. Because, right, of course. Uh, Otherwise, you, you wouldn't say it. Because I think in my case, uh, you know, I, it took me so long to get passed up there, you know, 15 years or whatever it was, 14 years that uh, I appreciate, you know, the the stage time more than most do you know it's like i remember the night i got passed i won't say who said it uh but he's pretty you know big comic up there uh I, he knew I, I didn't know i got passed till the next day but i had a feeling because the set was so good i'm like I, you know i think i'm in and these two comics were walking with me they're like you're in and i'm like hey man i'll be happy for one spot a week mm-hmm one in the morning bringing up dawn and they were like well you you'll say that the first two months but right then after that you're gonna want like you know to yep. go on after delia four times right. a week right but i gotta be honest with you a year and uh it's been uh almost a year and a half i've been passed i still enjoy every spot i get you know and and you know i cherish it and uh, i know a lot of comics complain 
you know, and it's bitch like, and moan about they don't get spots or their spots or is too they late. only get one spot. You know, yeah. uh, I, I, why am I going on after one a.m.? Well, you have no TV credits, dude. Yeah, you know, and this business is all, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, credits. It's not, uh, right. you know, it's not necessarily about being the funniest dude or woman in the room. You know, I mean, Theo Vaughn has a Netflix special on uh, right. right now. It's great. So he should get three or four spots a week. It's, he, I mean, he's funny regardless of the special. But I'm sure there's some bitter comic going, why is he getting spots and I'm not? Well, mm -hmm. how many TV credits do you have? Of None. Course. Well, this is like his third or fourth special. So you get five specials, and then you can go on ahead of Theo. Of course. Of course. And, um, yeah, we're we're talking about the spots. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah, sorry. Uh, oh, no. Like, I, I had a thought. Like, I, I just wanted wait for you to um, finish what you were trying to say is... Yeah, oh, bring up comics. When uh, that one... One night... Um, Bill Burr came in at the beginning of the night before before the OR show started, and he went up uh before uh Francisco. Francisco was the opener, and uh, um I heard, I think I heard Bill ask Stewart, "What's Francisco's uh credits?" Like he, you know what I'm saying? He cares. I don't think I don't think he knows Franc Francisco um in real life but he made sure that he has a good intro to bring up this next guy or the the opener you know like it's not that oh i'm i'm bill burr i just come in i go up whenever i want i do how many how however like long i want and then just give a shitty intro to the next guy or you know like i feel like he cares and then one time too um when greg fitzsimmons uh came in i was sitting on the back door he came up to me he was like i forgot who was next he asked me who is the the what's the credit for the next comic so i told him what i knew the the credits you know anyways the the, the reason the the my point is that like it's you just gotta care like when, when you do back to back uh, you bring people up. Um, I you gotta, you, yeah, you gotta do good. I I only to do the back to back. I got on the pre rules battle stand up portion of the show. The first time I bring up was Lucas Hurl, and I I love him. I Lucas Hurl is such a cool dude, amazing, and I gave him a really good intro. Came from my heart. And the second time I got on, uh, on the pre-battle show, I brought up uh, Matthew Bassar. Yeah, he's a very funny man. Yeah, and um, I think I've seen, I saw him on the one um, video on Funny or Die. You know, I, I made sure that I, I do the research, and yeah, I, I, I think that's a good thing to do. Well, I saw Bill Burr. Uh, he came in the OR one night. Uh, and I guess he, I guess you'd say he bombed Fortune Fimster. Mm -hmm. And he gave her like the greatest intro ever and it totally set her up for success. And because uh, you could tell he felt, I don't know if he felt bad because, you know, he, he wants to go up too. 
but uh, you could tell he felt some feeling inside, whether it be remorse right. or or whatever. Right. Um, and he he just really did her up, and uh, so I think if Bill Burr can do that, other comics can do that too. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about bringing up comics and then uh, getting bumped. When one of the nights when Bill came into the store, he was uh, smoking cigar with his buddies in the by the patio in the back. He I didn't hear the story. I, I heard the story from Jesus, and uh, Bill told the story that one night when he first started at uh, the cellar in New York, he was about to go up, and uh, he got bumped by. Uh, Chris Rock, son, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, heard of them, and uh, I think two other big names. I for, I I can't remember because I, I didn't hear the story. But probably I, David Tell, Chappelle. Okay, Ch Chappelle was one of them, and I probably Tell. I I'm I couldn't think of the the last name, but and. Uh, when when Bill went up, the story was he went up. He was really honest to the crowd because four big names like that happened. And then when he went up, when the host brought him up, the host just said, "Oh, this next guy come up," and the crowd went bananas. They thought, "Who else is gonna be up?" Oh, Louis C.K. bombed uh, was on that lineup too, right? To just walk in, and when the host bring up Bill. He just said, this next comic go up. Uh, he has some credit for an 80 movie or something. Like, this nobody piece of shit. Like, I meant to be. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, he said it. And then Bill came up on stage. He's like, look, guys. I am the guy that you guys paid to see. I should uh, come up four comics ago. But, you know, here's my jokes. Well, I well, thought it was really funny when he told the story. It was it was great. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's there's so many egos involved in this business, and you know, so many uh, toes you have to be careful to not step on. Mm -hmm. You know, but you can always give the next comic a, a nice intro, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, appreciate your stage time. It's a very valuable commodity in Los Angeles, and it's not a right stage time. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's a privilege. Of course. So nobody is owed stage time. You know, you earn it. So all you Johnny come latelys out there <laughs> that are bitching about me getting spots at the <laughs> store, well, let me tell you, fool, something. I was selling out the world. While you were bumming gas to put in your car to get to an open mic at Sal's Comedy Hole. <laughs> That's a, I'm ripping off Hulk Hogan's speech from Bash at the Beach. So I'm just kidding around. But, you know, work harder. I guess if we can wrap up this podcast, because Fung Chow works his ass off at the store. He doesn't uh, kiss anyone's ass. He just grinds it out. Puts his head down and uh, it gets noticed. You know, I know things. A lot of you idiots don't. <laughs> you know, people come to me. They tell me stuff. You know. <laughs> people come up to me. They tell me stuff. They That's do. great. You know, everyone loves Earl. So everyone, <laughs> everyone tells me everything. 
and all you Johnny come latelys out there that were texting the last three or four girls I've dated at two or three in the morning. Hey, come over. Oh, Earl's a great guy. We love Earl. Hey, you want to come over to my house? Well, guess what? I saw every text. <laughs> so you agents who thought you were fooling me, you really didn't. So uh, you will be exposed at a time and place of my choosing. So, Bung Chow, before we wrap up, this has been a very good episode, by the way. It's a real deal. Thank you. Thank you uh, for having me here. I, no. uh, I have fun. It was great. It's like we talk to each other. It's like at the store, you know, like we meet each other. You well, know. to me, that's the, my favorite kind of podcast is I don't like set questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't. Uh, I, that's just how I do it. Uh, you know, I want, you know, people to get to know you. But, you know, I don't think you can. You know, it's like I don't like the questions they ask on late night talk shows, you know. Where it's just, so, Joe, I hear you like hockey. Well, how did you know that? Well, I told you that 10 minutes before we went to air. <laughs> and he's like, I love Byron Allen, but those setups he gives on Comics Unleashed are like, the, I mean, Stevie Wonder can see them coming. You know, it's like, hey, Earl, uh, I hear you like Kiss. Uh, that's crazy, right? And I'm like, uh, oh, you knew I liked Kiss because I told you an hour ago. In, in the pre-show interview so i try and do the opposite of that on this podcast and most uh -huh. times it works sometimes it doesn't if the guest isn't interesting it's like oh boy what do we talk about but uh hopefully uh people dig this podcast and become fans of yours that's really why i do it like the numbers well no i interview like people like you so people are like wow that guy was pretty funny i want to go see him at the comedy store wherever you're playing so this is the chance i give you to plug your shit oh thanks what? uh come to the comedy store uh monday i get to go up every monday and uh you will see my comedy um just get ready be scared well, yeah, don't be a pussy, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, uh, and do you have like a website or like oh, uh, Instagram, Twitter? My Twitter is uh, F E N G C H A O 8080. That's my Twitter. And uh, Instagram, F as in Frank, C as in Charlie, 8080. So uh, follow him on Twitter. You know, he's a funny dude. He's a, you know, he's, he's as real as it gets. Now, before we go, and, the, you know, I want to, I know this is a audio-only podcast, but, you know, when you meet Feng Chao, you'll see that he has tattoos. He's fully sleeved up. Two arms. Two yes. arms. Uh, are there, I'm assuming when someone gets that many tattoos, they are of some significance to you? Like, any, like... Uh, family, uh, like, do, do they are they of like ex girlfriends? Oh, you like, mean the tattoos? I was gonna say that I I, I killed people before. <laughs> no, it's oh, okay. Uh, Is that why you have a teardrop? <laughs> a couple of them. Um, uh, my tattoos are all about um my uh, who I am. Uh, the some Chinese like most of them are Chinese elements that the building that we had. In Beijing, we built for Olympic. I, ha I have a couple of those uh, architectures on my arm. And I have, 
the name of the city I grew up, Beijing, both in English and the Chinese on me, and also last but not least, made in China on my back. So everything Chinese. Well, made in China. <laughs> That's probably the best way to end this podcast.、Uh, Fung, you're the best. No, I, Earl, you're the best. Well, I'm just trying to make it, but I just want all you LA comics to know I've been on to you from day one. <laughs> you don't fool me. You're all a bunch of palming jackals, and I'll expose all of you. So, no matter what girl I've been dating, I saw every text, and just remember this, you palming fools, that it's no harm in life to finish second to me, cause I got money, a big dick, I'm funnier than all of you, and anything I want in life, I have. Anything you have, I probably didn't want in the first place. I'm just kidding around. What if I was serious? <laughs> This is like Earl Rude. <laughs> so、uh, check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Inappropriate Earl, please leave a review on iTunes. It just helps. You know, I have over a hundred reviews, which is pretty good. But you know, if we could get a couple hundred reviews, people from iTunes notice, and it just it's better. And if you don't like the show, say it. I, I leave it up there. You know,、uh, pretty good ratio though. I think I have like 105、uh, reviews up there. 104, all good. One guy said I sucked. So, but I left it up there. He's probably just a bitter dude who was texting whatever girl I was dating. And、uh, just don't, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game, Daddy. I'm 47 years old. I look better than all of you who are in your 20s who abuse your bodies doing cocaine and drinking and palming, not going up, and then you worry why you go on after me and eat it. Also, tweet at Gene Simmons and at Paul Stanley Live. Let's get the both of them on inappropriate Earl. Want you do something for me for once? You know, I do this for free every week. The last two fucking years, I'm staring at thousands of dollars of podcast equipment. If you think you can do a better podcast, I'll sell you my equipment, and then you get the numbers I get, and you get people to come to your fucking shithole place. And、uh, you know, let's see you do an interview longer than ten minutes. Don't hate. Don't hate, cause daddy's name is on the wall. The only way your name or you'll be on the wall next to me is if you blow your brains out right underneath my name. Inappropriate Earl. Out.